Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Good morning, welcome. Welcome to those of you watching online at all our other campuses. We're glad that you're here with us this morning, and I hope that you're encouraged today. Like uh, Cody said, my name is Darren, and um, it's good to be here with you in Indiana. Uh, we live in Santa Rosa, California, which is right near Napa Valley. Uh, we have one, uh, member, uh, one happy person here at uh, the Greenwood campus uh, for that. Uh, we are suffering for the Lord in wine country out there, so it is rough, and... Um, no, we, uh, before that, previous to that, I was a student pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, at a church called North Point Community Church, uh, which is how I ran into the folks at Emmanuel when I was serving at Woodlands uh, Summer Camp as, uh, as a speaker there. So I got to meet uh, Aaron Beasley. Any Aaron Beasley uh, fans out there? All right. Beasley, I think, watching from the Banta campus. You got a light smattering of applause right there. So... Um, and so it's great to be here today. Even though I don't work with students anymore, my wife Molly's here with me, and she can tell you that uh, I still, my, my greatest spiritual gift is still the gift of immaturity. And so <laughs> hope we have some fun today. I, I have found that I, I enjoy speaking with adults uh, now because there's not a lot of crowd control necessary. I don't have to shush people. And generally no one's kissing somebody on the back wall usually. So <laughs> if that's your thing though, knock yourself out. I'll feel right at home. So... No, um, it is, uh, it's great to be here. I also love it because um, I don't have to learn a new language to be relevant with you all, all right? No shade on the young people, um, and I don't want you to be salty uh, because I'm being a little extra right now, but I'm not the goat, and uh, dope used to mean something very different when I was a kid, so I don't know. I hope today's super dope for you guys, but... No, uh, it's, it's uh, great to be. I want to tell you a little bit about m my family as I roll into what I want to talk about. My wife Molly and I, we have three kids, nine, eight, and three. And my wife is beginning uh, to launch her own design and decor uh, kind of business where we just moved. And so we use our homes that we purchase uh, as like a portfolio. And so we remodel them while we live inside of them. And so uh, we're insane. And, and, uh, and so... Um, we were, um, we're doing this, and, and the problem with doing this is that there's this thing called a budget. Have you heard of that before? This is a budget. And then the, we have this other thing called Pinterest. You know about Pinterest? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but budget and Pinterest, they're arch enemies. They hate each other. Uh, and, and the reason is because Pinterest is always defeating budget. And so, um, you know, when you start searching for things online for like, how do we de decorate this or the tile or whatever you're looking for, the algorithms, algorithms of the social media, they start sending you all this great stuff uh, that doesn't fit the budget. And so the next thing I know, I'm like, babe, we need a secret pantry. Like we have to have a pantry that has a false wall that no one knows about. And then you push it open and it looks like a fridge, but it's not, it's a pantry and we can't afford that. And so... What happens over the course of doing this is that even though we have plenty and we're doing fine, 
This thing called discontent starts rising up inside of our spirit, in our heart, in our mind, and we start thinking, I need more. I can't have just what we have. I need a little bit more. And this is true in design and decor and home repair and remodel, as well as in any other area of our life. In fact, the more you sort of start moving through life, the more it feels like that there's always more that we're looking for. I feel like there's always a little bit more that I want. If I had a little bit more, I would be happy. If I had a little bit more, I'd be satisfied. I, I need more money, maybe more stuff, maybe more, more time with my kids. Maybe for some of you, more time away from your kids. Maybe you want more power, more notoriety, more popularity, more status, more influence, a, a better job to move up and to have more of something. It feels like if we just had more, then I would be happier, which is why it's so shocking to us when we hear like celebrities tell us that, you know, their life isn't that great or, you know, that, 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 that it's not like fulfilling them or something. We're like, You're, that's crazy. You have everything that we're trying to get. You are who we want to be. And so how could it possibly be that your life isn't great? In fact, Justin Bieber, you know the Biebs? Uh, Biebs the other day, or a while back now, he said this. He said, hey world, that glamorous lifestyle you see portrayed by famous people on Instagram, don't be fooled thinking their life is better than yours. I can promise you it's not. Okay, Bieber. Okay. Yeah, right. Sure, buddy. Right. Have you seen my 03 Ford Ranger, Biebs? Versus your Lambo, you know, like... I don't think you can compare the two. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've noticed, Bieber, but um, have you seen your, your Tahiti vacation that you took three times this year versus like, I took the kids to grandma's house. That's where we went for vacation <laughs> this year. All right, that was our vacation. It was amazing. Uh, Bieber, I don't know if you know this, but you've had millions of people screaming your name, all kinds of fans. I'm standing on a stage at a church. I told them my name four minutes ago. They don't remember it. This is... <laughs> You're like looking at your program, what was his name? <laughs> That's right. right. I mean, I, what are you talking about your life isn't better than our lives? Of course your life is better than our lives. And he got beat up in it for the comments because people were basically saying, listen man, because you have a lot, you can't have it bad. If you have a lot, dude, you can't have it bad. Because having a lot is what we're all looking for. But the great theologian, Justin Bieber, is trying to teach us <laughs> something important here. What he's trying to say is this, having does not satisfy. I've, I, here's a guy that's maxed out having in every category. He can have whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And yet he's saying, guys, having is not satisfying. It's not filling something else inside of me. Oh, just because we have a lot doesn't mean we have it good. And what he's really saying, the bottom line of his comment is this, stuff ain't enough. Stuff ain't enough. You need more than stuff in your life if you want to be content. And uh, I, I know you've heard this before. I mean, you know, you've heard money can't buy you happiness. You know, it's not like I rolled up in here and it was like, oh, that Darren guy, that's his name. That Darren guy, he said money won't buy me happiness. I'm going to write that down. I had no idea. Never. He's a, he's a genius. I didn't know that right? This is not new information to you. And yet, I wonder if we actually really believe that money can't buy us happiness, if stuff won't make us happy. 
I said we live in Napa Valley, so we sometimes on Saturday mornings will drive through the rolling hills of California on our way to some bougie place acting like we're bougie and we're not. <laughs> but we'll, the conversation actually sounds like this. We're driving through the hills and we're like, wow, look at that one. Oh, look at that one. Oh, man, look at that one. How do these people get this much money? Man, we just need to do that. Whatever they're doing, I want to do that. <laughs> private chef, I'm good. That's all I need is a house on a hill and a private chef, and we would be set for life. And some of you in the room are thinking, we agree. <laughs> I agree. I don't see the problem with that. Because we do, we, 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 do, we get caught in thinking that it's going to make us Happier, it's going to fulfill something, it's going to satisfy in us. There's this book I was reading called The Less of More, or The More of Less, rather. The More of Less, it's, it's this idea that when you have less, it does more for you. How you get more out of life when you actually have less things. There's all these stats in it. It says that we, get, we, we see over 5,000 ads a day telling us that we need to purchase something or get something. And these ads are designed to make you and I feel discontent with what we have. You know, we, we start thinking, I do need to buy a spray can of Flexol, I need to make a boat and out of glass and see if I can seal it. With a, I need some Flexol. That's what I need. Whatever it's called, Flex Seal. It's just designed to make you discontent. Do you know that the average home now has more TVs than people in it? Some of your that's a guilty laugh right there. <laughs> I mean. You know that 25% of American families have a two-car garage and can't get one in it? That's me. Guilty. And 10% of American homes rent off-site storage just to keep the things in it that they can't fit in their regular home. Yeah, we've heard money can't buy us happiness, but hmm, we're trying. Wonder if maybe it could. And what we've done is we've believed this lie. We believe this lie that says that our contentment is tied to what we have. Our contentment in life is somehow connected to what we have. And it's not just stuff, it's all the categories. It's all the accomplishments, it's all the achievements. We have this game we play in our head where we think if I could just achieve a certain level of success in certain categories, then I will finally be happy, I'll be content. And so it looks a little bit like this. We think, well, in looks, I'm a five, or maybe for some of you, you're, you guys all look like tens to me, but you, know, you might be like, well, I'm, I'm a five in looks, but my car is a nine, so I'll, it'll balance out. You know? Or I need to get a nine since I am a four. And I don't know how you do this, but it's like I, I look at other people who look great and I think they're a nine, I'm like less than, or, but my opportunities are pretty good, so that's great. I don't know, as a pastor, sometimes I look around at opportunities people get and I see, well, hey, that guy got to go do that and I think that clown, I could be better than that guy, you know, or whatever. I, you know, you guys think, well, he, pastor, he's a holy guy. No, I'm not. I just do the same thing you guys do half the time, right? All of us are in this boat where we're comparing our lives and thinking, am I good enough? Do I have enough? So like education, you know, I actually graduated from Taylor University about an hour and a half from here. Any Taylor grads in the room today? Yeah, uh, one. Okay, great. <laughs> so pretty popular school. And um, no one outside of Indiana knows what Taylor is. So when I was living in Atlanta, I'd find myself, people would say, where'd you go to school? I'd say Taylor. But I ran track growing up, and so I got these offers from like Ivy League schools, from like Harvard. So I'd find myself saying to people in Atlanta, where'd you go to school? I went to Taylor. Where's that? Well, it's, it's a small school in Indiana. But I 
could have gone to Harvard. And what's wrong with me? I'd be like, well, I, I was a four, but I could have been a 10. You know, like something in us feels like we just want to impress everybody. And if we're impressive, then we'll be important and we'll matter and we'll be valuable and we'll be content. We'll be happy when everybody thinks we're great. Like faith, right? Some of you, you've heard somebody at this church pray. You've stood next to them and you think, oh my gosh, that's an angel. I, I, my prayers are like, dear God, maybe today food. Amen. <laughs> You know, like, I, don't, I don't know what I'm saying. That guy's an angel. I'm a two. They're a 10. It's no good. Or like your style. I've got a, some friends that like they look good in everything they wear, you know, and it's like, dude, what are you? It's amazing. They walk in. They look amazing. I hate them immediately. I'm like, I got to buy one of those. I don't look as good as anyway. Popularity, relationships, you know, like how's my marriage? Do I have a marriage? How many marriages have I had? I don't know if I'm as good as other people. Like are my relationships as good as other relationships in your talent? You know, like, you know, I never played on a sports team or a band or whatever. You think I'm not as good as. And when you start looking at your own personal life thinking, this is, I, I'd score myself. And we start scoring ourselves in life. And we end up thinking this, we, we believe that somehow the, the answer to our discontent in life is found in having something we don't yet have. I just need to achieve some level of something in some category and then I will finally be happy with myself. I'll be content with myself. We think this is possible. We think someday I'll just be all tens, but just keep working hard enough. I'll get there. I'll get there someday. But the problem is having is an appetite, and this is true about having. Having never satisfied. Having is never satisfied, because 10 leads to an 11. 11 leads you to wanting a 12. There's always a comparison. There's always somebody ahead of you. There's always somebody behind you. And having is never satisfied. It turns out that the greatest showman was correct. There's never enough. Towers of gold, still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll, sing it with me, never be enough. Ne you guys left me hanging. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's my first time. You just left me on the stage looking like an idiot. But it's true. It's never, there's never enough. There's no enough that we reach in these categories of our lives where it's like all of a sudden we finally got to contentment. So where's contentment hiding then? Like, how do we find it? Aren't you tired? I'm tired of sometimes looking at my life thinking, I'm not as good as. I don't like me the way me is. And I wish that I liked me. I wish I was okay with me. But sometimes I'll look in the mirror. I'll look at my stuff. I'll look at my bank account. I'll look at my progress in life. i look at myself at a certain age, and I think I should be further. I should be doing more. Maybe I should have more stuff. Maybe I should have more money. Maybe I should, what am I doing wrong that I don't feel like I'm really content with my life? Am I the only one who wrestles with this? Or are there people in the room watching online at another campus who you've sat, looked at your life, examined your life, and thought, ah, just, I don't know if I like where I am in life, I don't know that I could say that I'm really content. And if it's not in our things, it's not in our stuff, it's not in our relationships or in our looks or our style or fashion or how good our grid looks on Instagram, then where is contentment found? Come back next week and we'll talk about, just kidding. I won't do that to you. It's available and the good news is that this question isn't a new question. 
It's what people have been wrestling for, with for centuries. There's a guy named Paul who wrote much, much of the New Testament. If you've been in church much at all, you've heard the name Paul. He was a guy who was a Jesus movement stopper. He wanted to stop the Jesus movement. And then he met Jesus and became a Jesus movement uh, enhancer and started telling everybody about Jesus. And so Paul is sitting in a prison cell for his faith. He's writing a letter to a group of people in Philippi. And he sent the letter off to them. And he, he's talking to them about contentment. And we're going to look at a verse that's like a super famous verse. A lot of people tattoo it on themselves or put it up in their homes. And uh, we, we love this verse. We love to quote this verse. But this verse, when it gets disconnected from the full context of how it was written, it misses the full application. And we don't realize that Paul's actually talking about how to find contentment in life when he mentions this passage. So we're going to start a couple verses back from the famous verse, and then we'll get to the famous verse. Let me start the reading. So he sends this letter, it gets to Philippi, and they're reading it, and they come upon this in chapter four, which we put chapters in. It was just a letter at the time. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul's just saying, hey, listen, I, I know you guys love me. I ain't mad at you, okay? I, I'm, I'm good to go. There's no, no, no hate here, no shade. We're good, all right? So he says this. I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. He's sitting here from a prison cell. You can go back. And he's saying, I know what it is to be content whatever the circumstances. Can you imagine that they've got this letter? It showed up on the camel. You know, the camel's here or whatever they came in on. Gave them the letter. Everybody gathers around. Paul's letter's here. Come listen. We're going to read it to you because not everybody could read at the time. And they're listening and they stumble upon this line. I know what it is to have a lot. and have. I want to tell you about contentment. Be content whatever the circumstances. Now they're just like us. They're not necessarily content. You know, they're, I don't know what they're doing. Your donkey's better than my donkey, faster. I don't know what their thing was that they felt discontent about, you know. But they felt discontent just like us. And so I'm sure they're leaning in like, what? wait, 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 contentment? How to be happy? How to feel satisfied in life? Read on. So they read on. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Maybe they're like, okay, Paul, get to it. Got it. You, you know how to be content. Like they're on the edge of the seat maybe going, okay, tell us. How do we be content? How do we like who we are, where we are, what we've got? How do we be satisfied with our lives? What is the answer? And then comes the famous verse. The answer is, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And if I'm there reading that letter, I'm thinking to myself, huh? Wait a second. You know what it is to have a lot, have plenty, and you know what to be content. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Those two don't even seem to connect. Like being content and doing things with God's strength, like, how do those two connect? Let me show you something we often miss as we read through this. He does something with the wording here. Let's go back a verse. He says, I know what it is to have plenty. You notice the verb is have. It's not an English lesson, but that's a verb, okay? The verb is have, and so he's talking about have. Having, having, having. Like we all think, contentment must be tied to what we have, have, have. I gotta have more of something. And then when he says the secret to contentment, he flips and switches the verb. He switches it to do. So he says contentment is actually not tied into having. Contentment is somehow tied into doing. He completely switches the verb. He said this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Somehow contentment is tied to what we do and not to what we have. And he says I can do all things 
Sometimes we get confused by that and we think, I can do all things. No, you can't. You cannot do all things. I can't. I cannot make the Indiana Pacers roster this year. I can't. In my mind, I can. In my mind, I still got a sweet J, but I, I, I don't. In my mind, I'm still fast, but I'm not. I could never make it even when I was in my prime. I'm not going to make the team. I can't fly off this stage on my own, no matter what I, I could call in the name, Lord, you said I can do all things. In the name of Jesus, I'm jumping off this stage, and I'm going to jump parallel, and I'm going to fly right now. I'm going to land flat on my face. I'm not doing that. I can't do that. I can't do all things. When I was a kid, I, I was in church, and I came home from church, and the pastor had talked about this verse and said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can talk to this mountain, it'll jump into the ocean. And I thought, I have a faith of a mustard seed, at least that. So I went home, I saw this red jacket, and that was my first miracle I was gonna perform. I said, Lord, this red jacket is gonna turn blue after I pray. I closed my eyes, 12 years old. I said, God, in your name, I call upon your spirit. I believe in you as a miracle worker, and I just ask that when I open my eyes, this red jacket will be blue. Can I tell you for a second, in my, in my mind's eye, I knew that jacket would be blue. I knew it. I got done praying. I got people laughing at me right now. I got done praying. Open my eyes. It's going to be blue. And do you know that jacket turned no different color at all? <laughs> Shocking. Maybe, maybe Paul doesn't mean you can do all things. Maybe what Paul means is that you can do all the things that God has planned for your life, that God has put in your life, in your path, and that he will give you the strength to do that. And when you do that, when you face the circumstances of your life and the plans he has for your life and the to-dos that he has for your life in his strength and in his power, somehow, some way, that's the most satisfying, contentment-giving thing that we have. Because here's Paul sitting in prison for his faith saying to people, I can be content right here. Because this, right here in this prison, is what he's called me to right now. And I'm doing it with his strength. And Paul's telling us, ultimately, in your life, if you want to be content, we've got to do this. We've got to be more concerned with his leading than our having. There's nothing wrong with having, nothing wrong with achieving, nothing wrong with goals, nothing wrong with that but I've gotta be more concerned with what he's doing, where he's leading, what he wants me to do with my life than what he wants to have with my life. Oftentimes my prayers get skewed and I go, God, will you give me this, will you give me that, will you help me with this, give me that, I want this, I want that. And really I have to transition my prayers to God, what do you want me to do with my life today? What do you have coming at me that we can do together, God, today? What do you have to do? And I don't know about you, but I, I think there's some things that I can do with my life, even though I'm caught up thinking about having. Because having, unfortunately, having just won't do. Having won't do what you want it to do in your life, and having won't do the things that God's called you to do. Just because you have it doesn't mean you're gonna be content. And so what are the things that God wants you to do? I made a list to maybe Help us think through some of the things that may be for you. I don't know for you what your story is or what God might have you to do. It may be different for all of us, right? Paul was in prison. His readers weren't. You might have different to-dos, but maybe for some of you, your to-do is just enduring something challenging right now. 
And God's got you in the middle of a hard thing and a hard season. And your to-do is to hang in there and to bring hope to other people. Maybe, maybe your to-do is that you're a contractor or a builder or you're in some industry where it's not, a, it's not a really regular thing to hear about God and you're supposed to be there to be a light. Or maybe you're a teacher at a school where the, the, um, the morale is down and depressed and frustrated right now in the season that we're in and you're there to be an encouragement and to be a light and to be hope in that situation. Maybe it's just wherever you work, You're to be there with all your heart and to work hard and to demonstrate what hard work looks like and to show up and to be honest and to show character to people for the first time. Maybe your to-do is to be a prayer warrior and you're just supposed to pray for people and get on your knees and be a part of praying. Maybe maybe your to-do is to break up with that person that's toxic and you know they're toxic and you know it's been too long and it's time to let it go. Maybe your to-do is to call that person and ask for forgiveness or extend forgiveness. Maybe it's to live differently among your family and demonstrate what God is really like. You gotta hang in there with that. Maybe your to-do is to choose your family over your phone. Okay, Darren. Let's not get real about it. I could gloss over all the other ones till you got to that one. I, I, that was mine. I had to buy a house for my phone this year. Uh, when I get home, I have a box, it's on a shelf, and I have to put my phone in my box because I was giving my phone more attention than my family. And that's not what I was supposed to be doing. And so if I'm ever on my phone after I get home from work, my kids will say to me, Dad, why isn't your, house, or why isn't your phone in its house? Go put your phone in the house. So I go put my phone in the house. Maybe for some of you, it's to get off Facebook and get on the floor and play with your kids. I promise you, you're only gonna have those little kids for a little while. Facebook will be there when you're old and bored. It will. It'll be called meta, but it'll be there <laughs> for you. Your kids are only little for a little while. Don't miss it. Don't miss little kids. Got to be there for them, right? Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe it's to move forward and leave bitterness behind. Maybe it's to tell your children that you're proud of them. Maybe it's to actually finally be proud of your kids. I don't know. Maybe. For, for, for some of you, it could be a, a lot of different things, but if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, there's some things that we're just called to do. We're called to love our enemies. <laughs> Maybe you thought about rethink this Christian thing, right? To serve one another, to be humble. We're called to love our neighbor as ourselves, to be kind, to share good news with people, and to love difficult people. Those are like always to-dos for Christian people. And when you do those things, when you, and listen, this is not about how to make God happy with you. This verse from Paul is not, listen, when you do things, God will be content. No, God is content. He's happy just the way he is. This passage is about how do you become content? How do I become content? It's through doing the things that God's put in our lives and asking for him to give us the strength to do it. And somehow when we do that, contentment comes. Now, I worked with students for a long time. When you work with high school students, you never actually know if they're ever paying attention at all. It's always like, yeah, they, I worked really hard on that message, really thought about it, and you don't care at all. So I always had to do something fun to kind of remind them of what this was about. So I did that for you guys today. I brought with me some Mountain Dews. And uh, I have a couple here. I'm gonna throw them out to the crowd. If you're at another campus, your campus pastor has some as well. You'll get some. You won't be left out, but... There are a couple of Mountain Dews, and I know that Mountain Dew, uh, I know this stuff. Most of you probably don't drink Mountain Dew. I get it, okay? Uh, there are some closet Mountain Dew drinkers in here, though, I promise you. <laughs> and you have to be a closet Mountain Dew drinker because 
we all know this stuff will kill you, right? We know that this is not the best choice in life, okay? But that's not what it's about today, okay? It's not about drinking Mountain Dew. It's about a little illustration and, and, and something I have. So I'm going to give some of this out, okay? So uh, front row people, uh, who can I throw a Mountain Dew to right here? You, yeah, you look like you need a Mountain Dew right here. There you go. You got it. Touchdown, okay? Uh, let's see. Right here, you got it? Are you you catch it from there? That's a, that's a bit. You ready? Are you ready? Oh, she said give it to me. Get it. A touchdown. Look at that. That was amazing. I got a couple more. Let's go to this side over here. Uh, oh, my gosh, you're way in the back. I don't know about that. That's, that feels, okay, I feel good about that. Third row, kind of far. You got this? You might want to stand up. Are you ready? Okay. How do you guys feel about Matt Ryan as quarterback here? And this is, yeah, okay. Well, this is my showcase, all right? Get there. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, people in the back, you got one? You ready? You ready? Okay, I got two people. I got a kid right behind you, okay? So I'm going to the kid right behind you, all right? You ready? I'm going to have to loft it. Look at that. Oh, incomplete. That's all right. Three for four. I'll take it. I got a two liter as well. So, <laughs> right? So I want to go about four or five rows deep here. I don't want to go all the way in the back, but anybody four or five rows deep? You're too far. That is ridiculous, but I appreciate the right here. Okay. I got you right here. You want to stand up for this? Okay. Do you, do you play football at all? Have you ever done this before? You, you're good. You're ready. Okay. Here we go. Have you caught a Mountain Dew at church before? First time? Okay. All right, here you go. Ready? Launch this thing. Get there. Oh, it twisted. You got it. Great job. That was awesome. Now, for the rest of you, I know you're sad you didn't get one, but here's what I want you to do this week. This week, I want you to go to a gas station, go to a store somewhere. I want you to literally buy a Mountain Dew. And I want you to put it in your car. I want you to put it in your bedroom next to your bed, in your kitchen, somewhere where you'll see it each, each day this week for one week. Just let it sit there. And all week long as you're scrolling through life, you're driving past nice things, you're whatever, you're thinking you need to have something different. And if you could just have it, if you just get there, if you had more, you'd be happy. I want you to look at that Mountain Dew. I want you to see it. I want you to remind yourself, no, contentment is not found in what we have. It's found in what we do. And this week, for one week, I just want you to try to do the do. Just do the do this week. Whatever God's calling you to do, do it this week. And I know for some of you, for some of you, maybe the first thing to do is to begin a relationship with God. You've been coming around to the campus, wherever you're at, you've been watching online, you've been dabbling and messing around with this idea of Jesus, and you're ready. It's like, I, I do want a relationship with God. And the first thing for you to do is to begin that relationship through a simple prayer. To say something like, God, I want you to come into my life, forgive me for my sin, and make me the person you want me to be because it's not just about getting into heaven. It's about discovering a life of contentment, a life that's grounded and founded upon the idea that God has things in mind for your life, for you to do. He has purpose and meaning and value for you. And when you begin a relationship with him, you get to step into all of that. So if that's you and you'd like to pray that prayer this morning, we're gonna bow our heads, close our eyes and pray together. We all do that together with me. Just say something like this, Jesus, we, I want you to come into my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I want to ask that you'd forgive me, that you'd make me whole, that you would make me the person you want me to be, and that, God, I would find contentment in doing the things you've called me to do. And, God, for the rest of us, I just ask that this week we take our eyes off of all the things that we wish we could have, 
that we think will make us happy. And we'd ask you, God, in my life, in my story, what do you have for me to do? And would you give me the strength to do it? And as I do, would you fill me with your contentment and your satisfaction in life? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, you can actually text the word SAVED to 65248, and someone from our team will connect with you. We actually have a, a box, uh, and we'll get, we'll get you one of these boxes. It's like a starter kit, like a launching kit for your faith. We don't want to leave you hanging and just say, great, you're just a number in the seats. You're not. You're a person that matters, and we want to make sure that you have people in your life following up with you so you can make, take your next, next steps well. If you're at another campus, your campus pastors are going to take over at this time, hit you up with that Mountain Dew. Thanks for being here today.